You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. If you were to talk to somebody that was just starting out, time flies, going, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to jump into this rabbit hole. What's a single takeaway, one or two things you could you would say to somebody when they're new, just getting going? Uh, I definitely say don't buy a ton of materials. Kind of start a couple flies you want to try out. Make sure they're easy ones. And uh, spend the money on advice and your scissors and your bobbin. Hmm. Just kind of, it makes a bit of, of difference at first too. Less frustration. Yeah. Do you have any go-to thread, any go-to brands of hooks you want to talk about? Uh, right now I'm using a lot of UTC. Uh, that's probably my go-to thread right now. Right. Uh, and for hooks, um, right now I've just been using some of the hooks I got from Togans, kind of their brand and some Aprex, uh, and they've been doing pretty good for me. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I deal with Togans a fair bit. They, they have good prices and uh, good customer service and, and they've got some good hooks too, especially depending on what you're tying. But, um, I know I love that curved nymph hook they have. It's, uh, I use that one yeah. a lot. Yeah, I've been tying a tying on a couple of those recently. I've been getting their uh, mystery box kit. Uh-oh. I got two of those, and just trying to try out new materials, see what I'm getting before. Yeah, like just kind of look buying them, but that it's kind of opened my eyes to a couple of new materials I didn't know were out there. Half of my tying board, and I call it a board because it basically it's pegboard from a fly shop, and it's just half of it is mystery stuff to me because I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I'll use it someday. I don't know when, but. Uh, I think I think that's uh, you had a really good tip there when you said don't just go crazy you know like figure out what you're gonna tie because um, yeah it's cool to experiment but a lot of times you end up buying stuff you may or may never use. Yeah, and that's what I did. I kind of I splurged at first, bought uh, quite a bit of material. Yeah. And then I some of it I've I've never used. Welcome to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires, bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast is brought to you by the Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com. Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Support for the Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Listeners to the podcast get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FF97PODCAST. That's FF97PODCAST is the code at manscaped.com. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Very happy you chose to join us today. We're going to talk with what we do all the time, passionate people in the world of fly fishing. 
we are going to take you out to Nova Scotia, Canada, to Antigonish. We've got Blake Fairclough on the line. Blake, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Mark. Happy to be here. Yeah, well, it seems we got a theme. We we seem to be heading out to your neck of the woods a fair bit on this show. It sounds like fly fishing is doing well in the Maritimes in Canada and the east coast of the U.S. as well. Um, talk to me, Blake, about where you got your passion for fly fishing. How did this passion for all things, you know, tying flies and chasing fins start for you? All right, so I kind of started fly fishing pretty pretty late, about 2018, so I was in my kind of early 20s. And I had been fishing for probably since I was five years old at that point, so just chasing bass. Uh, but then I wanted to kind of go after brook trout, our kind of native species here. And from my understanding at that point, it was just you only chase them on a fly rod. So I got a fly rod for Christmas around that year, and got a couple dry flies and some woolly buggers and hit the river with my dad and just kind of started from nowhere and took it from there. Did it, did it take you a while to kind of get your feet wet to figure it out? Or did you kind of, um, like, is your dad, was your dad doing this for a long time? I guess what I'm trying to say is who did you learn from? Who kind of showed you the ropes? Yeah. So my dad's uh, kind of a novice fly fisherman himself. We were, we were more spin anglers at the time going for smallmouth bass and chain pickerel um but yeah we kind of both start fly fishing around the same skill level uh but really around here like i don't i've been fishing by myself for a lot of point just uh with my old work schedule and kind of my area where fly fishing wasn't as big uh down in annapolis valley at times i kind of just looked into podcasts and youtube got a couple books and kind of just started from there and Hit the water, trying by myself. Cool. So um, before we get too far into things, I always like to kind of ask you a few questions to kind of get a feel for your day-to-day. You ready for that? Yeah, I am. All right, man. So when you're headed out to your favorite stretch of water to chase those brook trout or whatever you happen to be chasing, what is playing on the stereo? All right, so um, my kind of music tastes are pretty diverse. I'll listen to... Some heavy metal, kind of 2000 rock, classic rock, uh, kind of early morning stuff. Uh, later in the day, I'm kind of jamming more to your kind of country music, some folk music. Uh, just really depends how early in the morning, how tired I am sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you got to find the music that suits the frame of mind for sure. Exactly. So you alluded to starting with some woolly buggers, which is kind of a common story if you drive flies. But if you had to pick one go-to fly pattern that you reach for more often than not, what would it be right now? Oh, that's that's a hard toss-up. I love fishing streamers like your woolly buggers, uh, your dungeons, Mickey fins. Uh, but I also love your dry fly bites. But I definitely have to go probably with an olive woolly bugger. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's kind of your universal fly around here. Well, it can be so many things too, right? It could be a bait yeah. fish in certain sizes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I get that. Um, is there one go-to place, Blake, you know, in, let's say, in and around Antigonish or in the Annapolis Valley, is there a go-to stop for you, like a fly shop, a brewery, somewhere you go to get your fix on fishing when you're not fishing? Yeah, so we actually, we only have really one dedicated fly shop that I know of in pretty well the entire province. Really? That's out in Halifax, yeah. Okay. So, like, a lot of our stuff are, like, 
talking fly fishing, it's normally you run into somebody on the river, you kind of talk someone over Instagram, do a podcast like we are right now. But really, yeah, that's the only way I kind of get to talk fly fishing. Or I'm just talking with my buddies in the car some days. What's the name of the shop in Halifax? Uh, it's called Fishing Fever. Okay. Is that, now how long, like, is that a long drive for you or, you know? Yeah, it's a... Uh, if I'm in Anganish, it's about two hour drive and it's kind of along the waterfront in Halifax. So mm. kind of run into that rush hour traffic. Sounds nice. So, um, it's funny how we, we talk about this on the show quite often. <clears throat> when I was growing up, there was fly shops in just about every small town you could think of. And, you know, with the internet and everything, everything's online now, but there's really not a lot of fly shops anymore. When you sit yeah, back and, and you look. Yeah, like we have some other fishing shops, but they're more of your kind of more universal. They kind of got your spinning gear, your hunting gear, your sure. some of your fly fishing gear, but they're kind of more of your general outdoor stores. We've right. got uh, one in just a couple down the valleyway, but they're not as, as big as kind of like the fly shops you see kind of your guys' direction out west where you have stuff like Kelly Gloop and the Slide-In yeah. or like kind of Togan's fly shop online out there. Well, that reminds me, like, growing up in small towns, it was like, okay, the hardware store was also the fishing store, right? So had, yeah, exactly, you know, Canadian Tire. Yeah, pretty pretty much. You could get a little, or Walmart, you get a little bit of everything. But uh, a dedicated fly shop, there's not so many, although there's, I have, I suspect there's going to be more, just the way the, the growth in the industry. But that's, it's cool. I always like to kind of get a feel for where you get your fix. Are you on Instagram a lot? Are you, is that one place you get kind of your, your fix? Yeah, yeah. I, I love to chat with people on Instagram, kind of just see what's going on, kind of see guys tying new patterns, fishing new waters. Hmm. Just kind of opened my eyes from going from just fishing smallmouth bass and chain pickerel around here to the world of trout and muskie and all your kind of different species. I never knew you, you could even fish on a fly rod. Well, man, that's on my list. I really want to chase muskie one day on a fly. It sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, we, we don't have any here in Nova Scotia, but right over in New Brunswick, there's there's some big ones. Right. So let's talk sports, man. So um, being that you're, you know, in Nova Scotia, this could go a lot of ways. Um, when you're cheering for your favorite sports team, whether it's, you know, hockey, football, baseball, basketball, who are you cheering for? Yes, yeah, we don't have really any teams around here. We're supposed to be getting a CFL team, hopefully, in the future. Hmm. But um, it's probably, for me, it's either the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. Right. Or kind of your Toronto Raptors, L.A. Lakers. Wow. Okay. You're covering some ground there. I like it. So um, what's, what's is it Oscar Wee Wee? Is that, is that the mascot? What is the mascot for? Yeah. I think that's the mascot saying. <laughs> I don't know. We've, we're, CFL's been down for almost yeah. like about a year or so. We kind yeah. of start to forget. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's been it's been a long year for for Canadian football fans for sure. NFL's coming back pretty good and quick though, and yeah. uh, pretty excited. And so is the CFL. Yeah, yeah, I know the NFLs. I've always been watching, but I like to go for the Ravens when it comes to NFL, and they haven't mm. uh, gone as far as I'd like them to. Keeping it East Coast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it. Um, so far. Since you started your fly fishing journey, which really hasn't been that long, you've been fishing your whole life. I think full disclosure, doing it passionately, avidly since 2018, and we'll talk about your tying and everything you've been up to. But w so far, what would your biggest takeaway be? Like, what's the biggest lesson you've taken out of fly fishing? 
Uh, it'd probably be for me to slow down. Mm. I've always been kind of a go, go, go person. And then also like, you know, you go to fly casting and you just have to really take your time, slow it down, right. watch the water. You're looking to see what's hatching. If there's anything going up, if you see any stone flies on the rocks, fine. It's kind of just helped me kind of slow down and appreciate life a little more. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, um, I, I, I feel you on that. I, I can totally relate. Fill in the blank for me. When I'm not fly fishing, I'm usually doing what? Uh, probably either working, working on some schoolwork, or uh, spending time with my family. Let's let's dig into that. So now, what are you going to school for, and kind of what's the end game there? So I'm taking a course called uh, Natural Resources Environmental Technology at uh, the Nova Scotia Community College out in Port Hawkesbury, mm-hmm. and it's pretty. It's, about managing and the sustainable use of our natural resources. Cool. And my end game is really to kind of get a really great job where I can be outside a lot of the time and support my family. Yeah, good stuff. This is uh, my second time going to school, so I'm making it worth it. <laughs> well, sometimes you don't figure it out the first time. Yeah, exactly. I, I, know, I know I didn't. Tell us what you're doing in the summer for a day job. Like, what are you up to this summer? Yeah, so right now I'm working for our provincial... Department of Lands and Forestry. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of one of their summer students going around, uh, just getting to really learn off everybody in the department, do field work. Uh, it's really just a great learning opportunity for me. I get to get paid and be outside and explore mm. kind of our western end of the province. So what, what would a typical day for you working for the province, like what, what, is it, what are you doing exactly? Like what do you, what'd you do today? All right, so today uh, I went out into some of our harvest sites across the province that are on Crown land, which is our kind of public land, and uh, I'm just doing my job assessing the harvest there. Okay. Uh, But a typical day kind of, it varies. It depends. Sometimes I'm working with biologists. Sometimes I'm working with foresters. It really just goes day by day. I get to do some different stuff. Good stuff. That sounds pretty diverse. Yeah, it's it's a really awesome job. Yeah. Good stuff. So the the end game with the schooling would be like, you know, if you could pick your dream job right now, uh, and don't say guiding on a uh, on a river with a fly rod because maybe that's where you're going. I don't know. But what what would your uh, what would your dream job be right now? Uh, well, you know, I'm still kind of figuring that out. Uh, as like going for my second year, I'm hoping to kind of get a better idea. But I'd kind of love to work with kind of like our fisheries or kind of our land sports is kind of being part of that decision on how to sustainably use our natural resources. So right. we're not losing them all. Right. So if it's something with our, let's say it's our Atlantic salmon populations out here, which sure. are obviously at risk due to higher water temperatures and invasive species. I'd love to just be a part of that to kind of say, I did my part to try and preserve our fisheries for the future. Right. Well, as something tells me there's going to be no shortage of jobs in that regard. Um, what, what's the best gig you've had so far in your life? Like what would be the best job you've had to date? Oh, this is definitely it. Nice. This is definitely it. Get to be outside and do what I love. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, it helps. I get to kind of see some new, uh, trout waters along the way too, which is always nice. So when you first started chasing those brookies and, and, and cat throwing a fly with dad, what were you, um, like, did you start tying at the same kind of time, or is that something you've come to since that? Say, hey, I need to, I need to delve into this, this, this world. 
Uh, you know what? It was kind of, I think it was about a year or two years after. Uh, I just kind of got, I asked for a t kit. I uh, got a super fly kind of kit with a cheap vice, some cheap tools. I uh, really wanted to start tying because at first I was losing a lot of flies. <laughs> just from uh, wind knots, trees, just kind of getting the hang of casting and yeah. not getting stuck on bottom. Uh, and then I kind of wanted to tie some patterns too that might work better. I was doing a lot of fishing for smallmouth at the same time uh, and kind of just wanted to start tying up some leech patterns and different stuff I thought might work. Mm -hmm. how, how important is it to you to get creative at the vice? Kind of say, uh, hey, what if I did this in this color? And like, uh, do you get a lot out of out of doing that, creating your own patterns? Yeah, I kind of like to just kind of change it up, see what I can make that works. There's always the patterns you can kind of just get the kits for, or kind of find like right. Ty Woolly Bugger or Adam's Mayfly. But then I kind of just want to tie stuff like I tied a, a chartreuse and blue marabou spayfly. Mm. And I caught my first smallmouth on that, just wow. seeing if it will work. Yeah. Cool. So do you throw, you throw a spay rod as well? No, I I haven't used a spay rod at all. Okay. I just kind of saw salmon flies and yep. got marabou on sale and gotcha. tried it out. Good stuff. Now, are you still tying on the same vice? Have you upgraded any of the equipment? I'm I'm always curious because I, I know a lot of people I have that listen to the show are relatively new to, to fly fishing. You know, not all, but some are. And it's like, it's hard to know where to start. So, you know, when you go out and you get a kit, you mentioned Superfly, and I'm familiar with their products. I mean, they're, they're definitely good entry level get you going but at some point um you know the vice is so important have, have you changed that up at all or are you sticking with what you got yeah I, I definitely changed that up i i got pretty frustrated with that vice just being small and cheap and really i didn't want to clamp it onto my table uh so i kind of upgraded myself this year to a uh, peak rotary vice nice with nice the kind of base and it's uh it's really changed my tying up made a lot easier kind of get more consistent tying with that rotary function i think it's it's hard to, to somebody that's just starting in the world of tying and or even that hasn't tied that long and maybe is using an inexpensive vice which is great to learn on but once you start tying on something that's full rotary that you know you can really work in and around the jaws it's on either a pedestal whatever's convenient or a clamp c-clamp it's amazing how your flies improve w would you agree with oh that? yeah yeah, it made a it made a lot of difference for me, and just being able to kind of get better hook tension too. Kind of, but when I was cranking down, just kind of like locking some materials, it, I didn't pull the hook out of it. Yes, which yeah. is great. Yeah, are you a? How many turns do you do on your whip finish? I, I whip finish by hand, so. Oh, you do. I, yeah, I I got a cheap whip finisher with that Superfly kit, and yeah. I never got the hang of it. Yeah. And I've mostly tied kind of your bigger like leech patterns and sure. some different streamers. So I haven't needed to whip finish yet, but I kind of go, I kind of go two or three, sometimes four or five, but I'll add some head cement in between. Sure. Yeah. Never a bad idea. Just kind of get locked in. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I've had too many flies kind of get torn up by chain pickerel. If you were to talk to somebody that was just starting out tying flies going, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to jump into this rabbit hole. What's a single takeaway? One or two things you could you would say to somebody when they're new, just getting going. Uh, I definitely say don't buy a ton of materials. Kind of start a couple flies you want to try out. Make sure they're easy ones, and uh, spend the money on a vice and 
your scissors and your bobbin. Hmm. Just kind of, it makes a bit of, of difference at first too. Less frustration. Yeah. Well, do you have any go-to thread, any go-to brands of hooks you want to talk about? Uh, right now I'm using a lot of UTC. Uh, that's probably my go-to thread right now. Right. Uh, and for hooks, um, right now I've just been using some of the hooks I got from Togans, kind of their brand and some Aprex. Uh, and they've been doing pretty good for me. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I deal with Togans a fair bit. They, they have good prices and uh, good customer service and, and they've got some good hooks too, especially depending on what you're tying. But, um, I know I love that curved nymph hook they have. It's, uh, I use that one yeah. a lot. Yeah. I've been tying, uh, tying on a couple of those recently. I've been getting their, uh, mystery box kit. Uh-oh. I got two of those and just trying to try out new materials, see what I'm getting before. Yeah. I like, just kind of look find them but that it's kind of opened my eyes to a couple new materials i didn't know were out there half of my tying board and i call it a board because it basically it's pegboard from a fly shop and it's just half of it is mystery stuff to me because i'm like oh that looks cool i'll use it someday i don't know when but uh i think i think that's uh you had a really good tip there when you said don't just go crazy you know like figure out what you're gonna tie because um yeah it's cool to experiment but a lot of times you end up buying stuff you may or may never use yeah, and that's what I did. I kind of I splurged at first, bought uh, quite a bit of material. Yeah. And then I some of it I've I've never used. I just haven't got the rest of it to tie certain flies. And yeah, I don't want to spend the money on some of it. Right. Um, so you know, what are you tying at the vice these days? Are you uh, tying lots of bait, uh, minnow bait patterns? Are you tying lots of leech patterns? W- what have you been working on lately this summer? Uh, I've been practicing my dry flies. Uh, definitely something that's new to me. Where there's smaller hooks, smart thread, can you said, as well as um, some mice. Yep. Yeah, I've been trying out some foam mice patterns. Nice. Just found some on sale and picked it up and started going with a couple rabbit strips. What are you throwing those for, smallies? Brook trout. No way. Yeah, okay. our, our brook trout will eat, eat some mice. I've used them for smallies. Uh, we've also got a couple rivers where we have kind of your introduced wild brown. Okay. Uh, especially I'm where I am right now. I've got a, a river, and I've caught all I've caught out there is brown trout this year. That's awesome. And I, I caught my uh, personal best actually earlier on, which was great. Uh, I caught on a size twenty foam ant uh, huh. on a three weight rod. It, <laughs> it put up crazy fight. How big was the fish? Oh, I see. It, I didn't measure because it it's getting the water levels were a little low, but right. I want to say it was like. 14, 15 inches. Nice. On a three-weight. But on a three-weight, he, yeah, he pulled. Sounds like fun. Yeah. We don't, where I'm at, we don't have any browns. So that's one, I'm jealous, man. I want to get into some brown trout. That's something we don't have. Yeah, I'm jealous of your area too. Myself, though, you, you have cutthroat trout and bull trout. Kind of species are on my bucket list to go chase. Yeah, well, it's like anything, right? We all, we all want to chase what we don't have. Like, you know, if we had roosters in my backyard, I'd be all over that. Trust me, but. Oh, that'd be crazy. Oh, man. Do you, do you fish for striper at all? Uh, I do. I haven't really fished much for them on the fly rod yet. I've been out for a couple trips. Yeah. Uh, but we've got some crazy water. So, like, in Nova Scotia, you're never really more than 60-some kilometers from the ocean. Right. And, like, for striped bass, we've my area up in Antigonish, we've got uh, something called the Northumberland Strait. So we've got kind of your schooly size striped bass, like, 20, 30 inches coming from Miramichi up in New Brunswick. But uh, we also have this area called the Bay of Funday, 
which has some massive striped bass and it's like 40, 50 inches. Wow. And there's a river out here called the uh, Shubenacadie and then there's also the Stewiak River right. where they go and spawn. And there's guys out there on with a 10 weight rod, nine weight rod, and they're just hammering like tons of fish just going and ready to spawn. So is this something you need to be doing out of a boat or is this something you can do some, some wading? A lot of these guys are doing it from shore, doing some wading. It's all mud banks, so you kind of got to pick where you go in. Right. Uh, search and rescue's been called, and a couple guys getting stuck in the mud. Well, that's one of the biggest tidal pulls in the world, is it not? Bay of Fun. Yeah, we've got some crazy tides. Yeah. So do you have to be careful yeah. when you're out there? Say you were wading that. Can you? Yeah, you would uh, definitely have to be careful. Like I haven't done it myself yet. It's on my my list. I just have to get the right rod. Right. But I know a lot of guys will go out in groups. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out at alone. Yeah. Just in case you get stuck. <laughs> yeah. So, and you're like... competing. Oh, sorry. No, go I was ahead. just gonna say. Did you say forty inch striper? Oh yeah, yeah. We've got massive fish out uh -huh. there. Like it's. You'll have guys just picking off striper after striper in there. Uh, there. We have a time when the river gets closed down for anything but your single hook artificial lure or fly. Right. So you're not competing with the bait fishermen as much. And those guys for just a couple, I think it's about four weeks, they're just going crazy on stripers. Huh. Sounds pretty good. So let's get uh, talk about your time on the water. Have you had anything weird or wacky that happened to you in your time, whether it's like a weird wildlife encounter or you're not going to believe this, but this actually happened? Um, I really haven't too much um i've had the occasional like muskrat kind of swim behind my legs give me a spook uh but really not too much for me that's something uh, i really hate when something hits you <laughs> even if it's a stick and you're waiting you're like what is that yeah yeah especially when it's getting kind of late at night is when it normally happens to me right and right as the sunset starts kicking in yeah yeah good stuff um Walk me through your perfect day. What does your dream day look like, Blake? So if you could have your day your way, you know, name the species, walk me through. Is there a coffee in the morning, something cold to drink afterwards? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so obviously I'm definitely starting the day with coffee because um, I'd be getting up pretty early, getting up at, I'd probably get up at 4.35. Kind of get out, head to a small stream, kind of right around my area in Anaganish that I love to go to, get some Great colored brookies out on my three weight. Uh, definitely all on dries. Uh, then I'd probably head out for the morning, kind of into a bit of the afternoon, going after smallmouth. And going for them on some bigger streamers down in a lake, down in a, an area we have called Yarmouth County. Right. Where we've got some absolutely massive smallmouth bass and chain pickerel that unfortunately have destroyed all of our kind of trout stocks down there. Uh, and then I fish for them on my seven weight for most of the day. Hopefully catch a good chunk on top water too. Uh, kind of around the late afternoon and evening, I'd go out kind to Shuby River and go for striped bass on a 10 weight rod, hook into that provincial record 60 inch striped bass, go into my back in a couple runs, pick them up, release them straight away after a photo so you could go make some more. And then if I really could, I'd get on a jet and go as fast as I can out to the Rockies and go for bull trout and cutthroat. 
<laughs> just finished my day off, hit up a brew pub out in let's I don't Jasper National Park, have an IPA. Wow. And I uh, give some friends a call and show them the massive bull trout I just got. You put some thought into that. Oh yeah, I I've made one trip out to Alberta. Uh, we went out for my fiance's sibling. He had a he got married. And I really wish I had my fly rod because we drove from Jasper through the ice fields uh, up in the Rockies all the way down to Banff, right. seeing all the different waterways and rivers. I just really wish I had a rod. Yeah. You know, uh, quick story. I was in Patagonia one time in the middle of nowhere in Argentina, and it was a work trip. I wasn't fishing, and I'm watching these, like, five six pound brown trout swimming under the boat and i'm just like oh man this is killing me <laughs> yeah that would that would kill me oh anyway yeah so that hey, you know what that sounds pretty good so is there a campfire involved at the end if, if if of course we we can have campfires yeah yeah i know you guys definitely have the wildfires going on right now uh i've, I've seen a lot of people go out there to start fighting them okay. um yeah i definitely have a campfire if it's legal at the time we have a we have a burn band that kind of goes up every time at 2 p.m if it's yeah. dry but we've actually had quite a bit of rain ourselves here over the last two weeks which kind of helped our waterways and our trees from burning what's your go-to ipa right now oh right now oh that that's a hard one i i really like to try them out um but we have a company out in uh halifax area called nine locks brewing and they make a great ipa called frig off <laughs> I like the name. Yeah, it's uh, that's probably my kind of go-to right now. Yeah. Or uh, there's um, another one called Propeller Galaxy, which is a pretty cool one too. It's the thing I love about you know there's always a new brew pub to hit no matter where you are, no matter what water you're fishing, and everyone's you know you, you kind of get a feel for the regional flair of what's going on, and uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, and uh, where Antigonish is kind of a college town too, we've got quite a few different brew pubs opening up couple different breweries so we've got a we've kind of got our assortment of places to go walk me through your gear you're using these days so um do you have a go-to brand or weight or length of fly rod like what's what's your go-to rod right now all right yeah so i've only got two rods right now i sold my five weights to buy a new pair of waders last year i'm just kind of tired of wearing leaky neoprene waders in the middle of summer i've been there yeah, so I kind of upgrade to Sims. Uh, so I've got a three-weight TFO Pro 2, which is a reel from Cabela's, and uh, some airflow line. Uh, and that's probably my favorite rod right now, kind of for my dairy I'm fishing most. Yeah. Just kind of these kind of mountain springs, just where the water's a little colder, and we can kind of go after trout without putting too much pressure on them. And then my second, uh, I have a seven-weight rod from Cabela's and a Sage uh, 2280 reel. Yeah. With, uh, I forget what kind of, it's Cortland line. Yeah. Definitely uh, definitely my favorite, but. Good. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what type it is, but I'd say I loved using the seven-weight tossing some big streamers for big fish. Yeah. But yep. the three-weight right now is kind of my go-to with these kind of skinny waters, low water kind of dry fly kind of streams in your mind Blake, if you do kind of up that game for striper um are you going to need a bigger rod yeah a lot of guys on the bay of Fonde rivers who kind of fish that spawning run 
they're using nine, 10, 11 weight rods. Okay. And they're kind of, some of them are using your kind of more expensive, like your sage rods. And then others are using kind of like your Amazon match max catch just cause the mud will destroy your rod. Huh? Yeah. Kind of like where it's all kind of your muddy sand. It then destroys your guides. Okay. Yeah. I could yep. see that. I'd be definitely up and in. You need a really good reel. You need some good drag for some of those fish. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's the different game, right? When we talk about small trout on small streams or even small rivers, you don't necessarily need a giant reel with a lot of drag because most of those fish are either stripping in or they're barely getting into your, your drag. But when you start talking about big striper, when you start talking about bigger game fish on minnow patterns, that, that drag becomes pretty darn important. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Cause I know I, I'm kind of, I fish for everything. Yeah. Kind of where I from down in Kentville, it's mostly smallmouth striped bass. Like we do have some streams with brook trout and brown trout. Sure. But um, smallmouth and chain pickerel are kind of they're invasive to this area, so they've kind of taken over our province on the western end. And I'll I'll fish for them. Like that's who I grew up on. And yeah. seven weights, they'll some of them will pull a little bit of drag. I've had some hard fighting smallies, but then. I've, I've had stripers pull drag on me. I've, I've lost stripers from not using heavy enough tippets. Right. But, yeah, yeah, it definitely changes our waters. Like, they're so diverse. You go up Cape Breton, you also have Atlantic salmon, which you need kind of your better, definitely your better gear for. Well, funny you should say that. That's where I was going next. So um, <laughs> it, are, do you chase Atlantic salmon very often? Is that something you've done a bit of in the past? Uh, I haven't yet. Uh, I only moved to Antigonish last year. We've got a couple rivers with them uh, that only really run from start of October till the end of October. And then really, Cape Breton is where you have to be. But I lived in Halifax after Kentville for a couple of years, and really to get to the nearest Atlantic salmon stream or river would be a good couple-hour drive. Right. And for me, it's uh, once I'm done school is when I'll probably start chasing them more when I have a little more free time. I have a... Along with school, I, I work, and I also have a one-and-a-half-year-old. So okay. I, I'm pretty busy. I'm going to say it's... For a, the most part. Yeah, you're not bored. <laughs> no, definitely not bored. Um, are you... You know, since you've started your, your journey in fly fishing, and I know you're you're an all-in kind of guy with the tine, and you're really, you're really getting hardcore into it. Um, is there anything you notice in the world of fly fishing that kind of irks you, or is there anything you wish maybe we'd do a little differently uh you know what there's the really only thing i can think of is uh kind of just how not everybody who fly fish but there are some who really don't like the guys who use your conventional gear and i i, I get it so like fly fish you can use more barbless hooks it's you put less pressure on the fish sometimes but i find just that kind of back and forth kind of spin fisher thinking where fly fishermen are elitist and get our way around where elite like fly fishermen and spin fisher just there to keep every fish to catch. I kind of wish that was gone myself. Right. Like I, I fly fish probably 95% of the time now. I'm, I'm just addicted to it, but there are some times I'll use spinning gear for stuff like flounder and mackerel. If I do want to keep some fish or right now, my striper set up for those Bay of fun day stripers, which are, you know, it does 40 plus inches. Is uh, it's spinning gear. Yeah. Just because okay. that's that's 
my god yeah no i i but I'd love to I get that i get that i i i don't understand that either because i know i do the same thing for carp um there's i have a hard time getting them on the fly maybe i'm doing something wrong but um you know there's there's places where spinning gear you know um even for bass sometimes you know if if they're they're down deep and 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 they're they're holding in some of those secondary points it's pretty hard sometimes to get a fly in their face but, yeah exactly yeah no i'm with you now yeah and now if somebody's using uh, like treble hooks like tiny treble hooks and bait trying to keep every single trout they catch or toss back a couple after they hook them in the gills and kill them then i might kind of <laughs> just kind of ask them to maybe switch up what they're doing but like really I, I don't get the hate yeah so what is it that you like so much about your newfound passion over the spinning gear i'm just curious not to compare the two but what like you know as somebody that did so much spin fishing and that's i think that's mostly how most of us start and then you know then you discover the fly fishing thing and you go hey it's pretty cool catching you know a 14 16 8 18 inch trout on light gear on a fly rod um it, it is a game changer but what in verbalize it in your words what is it you like about it so much you know what i i can't it's just that itch for me like one of the big things for me is i found i just kind of got bored spinning gear sometimes you're just trolling if you're in a boat or you can only cast so many different types of soft plastics or lures and I was also tired of using plastics and losing them to fish every couple cast. Right. Um, but a big thing, I guess, for me, too, was just we also have a lot of our good trout rivers and sam that have maybe a salmon population number, fly fishing only. So, really, I've got access to every bit of water now that mm. I didn't before. Yeah. And really... Like, as much as I love fishing smallmouth on spinning gear force, I love fishing smallmouth on a fly rod. Yeah. I find it's uh, it's much different. I just, I don't know. It's just that itch I don't think I can beat. Yeah. No, I get it. It's well verbalized. Hey, th- thanks so much for taking the time tonight to chat with us, Blake. I, I really enjoyed chatting with you, and I wish you good luck with all your schooling, with your natural resources, your environmental tech your time at the vice and just, um, you know, continued success in your fly fishing journey. Thanks, Mark. I'm really happy to be on here. It was great chatting with you. We've been chatting tonight with Blake Fairclough out of Antigonish, Nova Scotia, Canada. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm